Act One of The Skin Game by John Galsworthy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Part of Hillcrest Played by Anthony. Mrs. Amy Hillcrest, read by Amanda Friday. Jill, read by April Gonzalez. Hornblower, read by Delmar H. Dolbeer. Charles, read by Chuck Williamson. Chloe, read by Capricia Page. Rolf, read by Chris Marcellus. Dorka, read by Charlotte Duckett. Fellows, read by Adam Brack. Auctioneer, read by M. J. Frank. Jackman, read by Tricia G. Mrs. Jackman, read by Jeanie Torado. Anna, read by M. J. Frank. First Stranger, read by Christine G. Second Stranger, read by Elizabeth Clatt. Narrator, read by Sally McConnell. The Skin Game Act One Hillcrist's Study A pleasant room, with books in calf bindings, and signs that the Hillcrists have travelled, such as a large photograph of the Taj Mahal, of Table Mountain, and the pyramids of egypt a large bureau stayed right devoted to the business of a country estate two foxes masks flowers in bowls deep armchairs a large french window open at back with a lovely view of a slight rise of fields and trees in august sunlight a fine stone fireplace stage left a door left a door opposite right general colour effect stone and cigar leaf brown with spots of bright colour hillcrist sits in a swivel chair at the bureau busy with papers he has gout and his left foot is encased a cord he is a thin dried-up man of about fifty-five with a rather refined rather kindly and rather cranky countenance Close to him stands his very upstanding nineteen-year-old daughter, Jill, with clubbed hair round a pretty, manly face. You know, Dodo, it's all pretty good rods in these days. Cads are cads, Jill, even in these days. What is a cad? A self-assertive fellow without a sense of other people. Well, old homeblower, I'll give you. I wouldn't take him. Well, you've got him. Not Charlie, Charlie... The importance of not being Charlie. Good heavens, do you know their Christian names? Matty Father, they've been here seven years. In old days we only knew their Christian names from their tombstones. Charlie Hornblower isn't really half a bad sport. About a quarter of a bad sport I've always thought out hunting. Jill, pulling his hair. Now his wife, Chloe. Gad, your mother'd have a fit if she knew you called her Chloe. It's a ripping name. Chloe, hmm. I had a spaniel once. Dodo, you're narrow. Buck up all darling, it won't do. Chloe has seen life, I'm pretty sure. That's attractive anyway. No mother's not in room. Then turn your uneasy eyes. Really, my dear, you are getting. The limit. Now Rolf. What's Rolf? Another dog. Rolf Hornblower's a chopper. He really is a nice boy. Hillcrist, with a sharp look. Oh, he's a nice boy. Yes, darling. You know what a nice boy is, don't you? 
None these days. Well, I'll tell you. In the first place, he's not amorous. What? Just a jolly good companion. Well, that's some comfort. To whom? Well, to anyone. Me. Where? Anywhere. You don't suppose I can find myself to the home part next to you? I'm naturally rangy, father. You don't say so. In the second place, he doesn't like discipline. Jupiter, he does seem attractive. In the third place, he was his father. Is that essential to nice girls, too? Jill, with a twirl of his hair. Fesh not. Fourthly, he's got ideas. I knew it. For instance, he thinks as I do. Ah, good ideas. Careful. He thinks all people run to show too much. He says they aren't here because they're so dumb touchy. Are you dumb touchy, darling? Well, I'm... I don't know about touchy. He says there'll be no world fit to live until we get rid of the old. Oh, he says that. We must make them climb a tall tree and shake them off it. Otherwise, with the way they stand on each other's rights, they'll spoil the garden for the young. Does his father agree? Oh, Paul doesn't talk to him. His mat's too large. Have you ever seen it, Dodo? Of course. That's considerable, isn't it? Now, yours is. What is it, darling? It won't be in a minute. Do you realize I've got gout? Jill, looking at his foot. Poor ducky. How long have you been here, Dodo? Since Elizabeth, anyway. It has its drawbacks. Do you think Hornblower had a father? I believe he was spontaneous about Dodo. Why all this, this attitude to the Hornblowers? She purses her lips and makes a gesture as of pushing persons away. Because they're pushing. That's only because we are, as Mother would say, and they're not yet. But why not let them be? You can't. Why? It takes generations to learn to live and let live, Jill. People like that take an L when you give them an inch. But if you gave them the L, they wouldn't want the inch. Why should it all be such a skin game? Skin game? Where do you get your lingo? Keep to the point, Odo. Well, Jill... All life's a struggle between people at different stages of development, in different positions, with different amounts of social influence and property. And the only thing is to have rules of the game and keep them. New people like the Hornblowers haven't learnt those rules. Their only rule is to get all they can. Darling, don't pose. They're not half as bad as you think. Well, when I sold Hornblower Longmeadow in the cottages, I certainly found him all right. All the same, he's got the cloven hoof. Warming up. His influence in Deepwater is thoroughly bad. Those potteries of his are demoralizing. The whole atmosphere of the place is changing. It was a thousand pities he ever came here and discovered that clay. He's brought in the modern cutthroat spirit. Cut our throat spirit, you mean? What's your definition of a gentleman, Dodo? Can't describe. Only feel it. Oh, try. Well, I suppose you might say a man who keeps his form and doesn't let life scupper him out of his standards. Where's the person's chances are low? I assume, of course, that he's honest and tolerant, gentle to the weak, and not self-seeking. Ah, self-seeking. But aren't we all, Dodo? I am. You? Oh, yes. Too young to know. Nobody knows till they're under pretty heavy fire, Jill. Except, of course, Mother. How do you mean, Mother? Mother reminds me of England, according to herself. Always right whatever she does. Yes, your mother is, perhaps, the perfect woman. That's what I was saying. Now, 
No one could call you perfect, Dodo. Besides, you've got scouts. Yes, and I want fellows. Ring that bell. Jill crossing to the bell. Shall I tell them a definition of a gentleman? A man who gives a horn blow his due. She rings the bell. And I think mother ought to call them. Rolf says old Hornblower resents it fearfully that she's never made a sign to Chloe that three years she's been here. I don't interfere with your mother in such matters. She may go and call on the devil himself if she likes. I know we're ever so much better than she is. But that's respectful. You do keep your prejudices out of your face. That mother literally looks down her nose, and she never forgives an age. They'd get a howl from her if they took the hint. Jill, your language. Then slam out of it, Dodo. I say, mother ought to call the hornblowers. Well. My dear, I always let people have the last word. It makes them feel funny. Ugh, my foot. Enter Fellows, left. Fellows, send it to the village and get another bottle of this stuff. How go, darling? She blows him a kiss and goes out at the window. And tell Cook I've got to go on slops. This foot's worse. Indeed, sir. My third go this year, Fellows. Very annoying, sir. Yes, ever had it. I fancy I have had a twinge, sir. Have you? Where? In my cork wrist, sir. Your what? The wrist I draw corks with. You'd have more than a twinge if you'd lived with my father. Hmm. Excuse me, sir. Vichy water corks, in my experience, are worse than any wine. Ah, the country's not what it was, is it, fellows? Getting very new, sir. You're right. Has Docker come? Not yet, sir. The Jackmans would like to see you, sir. What about? I don't know, sir. Well, show them in. Fellows going. Yes, sir. Hillcrist turns his swivel chair round. The Jackmans come in. He, a big fellow, about fifty, in a labourer's dress, with eyes which have more in them than his tongue can express. She, a little woman with a worn face, a bright, quick glance, and a tongue to match. Good morning, Mrs. Jackman. Morning, Jackman. Haven't seen you for a long time. What can I do? He draws in foot and breath with a sharp hiss. We've had notice to quit, sir. What? Got to be out this week. Yes, sir, indeed. Well, but when I sowed Long Meadow in the cottages, it was on the express understanding that there was to be no disturbance of tenancies. Yes, sir, but we've all got to go. Mrs. Harvey and the Drews and us, and there isn't another cottage to be had anywhere in deep water. I know, I want one for my cowmen. This won't do at all. Where do you get it from? Mr. Ornblower himself, heir. Just an hour ago, he come round and said, I'm sorry I want the cottages, and you've got to clear. He's no gentleman, sir. He put it so brisk. We've been there thirty years, and now we don't know what to do. So I hope you'll excuse us coming round, sir. I should think so indeed. Hmm. He rises and limps across to the fireplace on his stick. To himself. The Cloven Hoof. By George, this is a breach of faith. I'll write to him, Jackman. Confound it. I certainly never sold if I'd known he was going to do this. No, sir, I'm sure, sir. They do say it's to do with the potteries. He wants the cottages for his workmen. That's all very well, but he shouldn't have led me to suppose that he would make no change. 
They talk about his having bought the century to gut up more chimneys there, and that's why he wants the cottages. Yes, sir. It's such a pretty spot looks beautiful from here. She looks out through the window. Loveliest spot in all deep water, I always say. And your father owned it, and his father before him. It's a pity they ever sold it, sir, begging your pardon. The sentry? He rings the bell. I'm glad you're going to stop it, sir. It does put us about. We don't know where to go. I said to Mr. Hornblower, I said, I'm sure Mr. Hillcrest would never have turned us out. And he said, Mr. Hillcrest be... Begging your pardon, sir. Make no mistake, he said. You must go, missus. He don't even know our name. And to come it like this over us. He's a dreadful new man, I think, with his overriding notions. And such a heavy-footed man to look at. But he's from the north, they say. Fellows has entered. Left. Ask Mrs. Hillcrest if she'll come. Very good, sir. Is Docker here? Not yet, sir. I want to see him at once. Mr. Hornblower said he was coming on to see you, sir, so we thought we'd step along first. Quite right, Jackman. I said to Jackman, Mr. Hillcrystal will stand up for us, I know. He's a gentleman, I said. This man, I said, don't care for the neighbourhood or the people. He don't care for anything so long as he makes his money and has his importance. You can't expect it, I suppose, I said. Having got rich so sudden, the gentry don't do things like that. Quite, Mrs. Jackman, quite. To himself. The sentry, no. Mrs. Hillcrist enters, a well-dressed woman with a firm, clear-cut face. Oh, Amy, Mr. and Mrs. Jackman turned out of their cottage, and Mrs. Harvey and the Drews. When I sold to Hornblower, I stipulated that they shouldn't be. Our week's up on Saturday, Mum, and I'm sure I don't know where we shall turn, because of course Jackman must be near his work, and I shall lose me washing if we have to go far. You leave it to me, Mrs. Jackman. Good morning. Morning, Jackman. Sorry I can't move with this gout. I'm sure we're very sorry, sir. Good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. And thank you kindly. They go out. Do you suppose this hornblower will care two straws about that, Jack? He must, when it's put to him, if he's got any decent feeling. He hasn't. The Jackmans talk of his having bought the sentry to put up more chimneys. Never. Impossible. It would ruin the place utterly. Besides cutting us off from the Duke's. Oh, no, Miss Mullins would never sell behind our backs. Anyway, I must stop his turning these people out. Mrs. H., with a little smile, almost contemptuous. You might have known he'd do something of the sort. You will imagine people are like yourself, Jack. You always ought to make darker have things in black and white. I said quite distinctly. Of course you won't want to disturb the tendencies. There's a great shortage of cottages. Hornblower told me as distinctly that he wouldn't. What more do you want? A man like that thinks of nothing but the shortcut to his own way. Looking out of the window towards the rise. If he buys the sentry and puts up chimneys, we simply couldn't stop here. My father would turn in his grave. It would have been more useful if he'd not dipped the estate and sold the sentry. This hornblower hates us. He thinks we turn up our noses at him. As we do, Amy. Who wouldn't? A man without traditions— who believes in nothing but money and push. 
Suppose he won't budge. Can we do anything for the Jackmans? There are the two rooms Beaver used to have, over the stables. Mr. Dorker, sir. Dorker's is a short, square, rather red-faced terrier of a man, in riding clothes and gaiters. Ah, Dorker. I've got gout again. Very sorry, sir. How do you do, ma'am? Did you meet the Jackmans? Yeah. He hardly ever quite finishes a word, seeming to snap off their tails. Then you heard? Dorker, nodding. Smart man, hornblower. Never lets grass grow. Smart? Dorker, grinning. Don't do to underrate your neighbours. A cad, I call him. That's it, ma'am. Got all the advantage. Heard anything about the sentry, Dorker? Hornblower wants to buy. Miss Mullins would never sell, would she? She wants to. The deuce she does. He won't stick at the price, either. What's it worth, Dorker? Depends on what you want it for. He wants it for spite. We want it for sentiment. Dorker, grinning. Worth what you like to give, then. But he's a rich man. Intolerable. Dorker to Hillcrist. Give me a figure, sir. I'll try the old lady before he gets to her. I don't want to buy, unless there's nothing else for it. I should have to raise money on this state. It won't stand much more. I can't believe the fellow would be such a barbarian. Chimney's within three hundred yards, right in front of this house. It's a nightmare. You'd much better let Docker make sure, Jack. Jackman says Hornblow is coming around to see me. I shall put it to him. Make him keener than ever. Better get in first. Ape his methods. Ugh, confound this gout. He gets back to his chair with difficulty. Look here, Docker. I want to see you about Gates. Fellows entering. Hornblower. Hornblower enters, a man of medium height, thoroughly broadened, blown out, as it were, by success. He has thick, coarse, dark hair, just grizzled, wry, bushy eyebrow, a wide mouth. He wears quite ordinary clothes, as if that department were in charge of someone who knew about such things. He has a small rose in his buttonhole, and carries a Homburg hat which one suspects will look too small on his head. Good morning, good morning. How are you, Docker? Fine morning, lovely weather. His voice has a curious blend in its tone of brass and oil, and an accent not quite Scotch, nor quite North Country. Haven't seen you for a long time, Hillcrest. Hillcrest, who has risen? Not since I sold you Longmeadow in those cottages, I believe. Oh, dear me, no. That's what I came about. Hillcrist subsiding again into his chair. Forgive me, won't you sit down? Hornblower, not sitting. Have you got gout? <laughs> That's unfortunate. I never get it. I've no disposition that way. Had no ancestors, you see. Just beyond drinking to answer for. <laughs> You're lucky. Hornblower with a laugh. I wonder if Mrs. Hillcrist thinks that. Am I lucky to have no past, ma'am? Just the future. You're sure you have the future, Mr. Hornblower? <laughs> That's your aristocratic rapier thrust. You aristocrats are very hard people underneath your manners. You love to lay a body out. But I've got the future, all right. I've had the Jackmans here, Mr. Hornblower. Who are they? The men with the little spitfire wife. They're very excellent, good people. 
and they've been in that cottage quietly thirty years. Hornblower, throwing out his forefinger, a favourite gesture. Ah, you've wanted me to stir you up a bit. Deep water needs a bit of go put into it. There's generally some go where I am. I dare say you wish there'd been no come. <laughs> we certainly like people to keep their word, Mr. Hornblower. Amy. Never mind, Hillcrist. Takes more than that to upset me. You promised me, you know, not to change the tenancies. Well, I've come to tell you that I have. I wasn't expecting to have the need when I bought. Thought the Duke would sell me a bit down there, but devil a bit he will. And now I must have those cottages for my workmen. I've got important works, you know. The Jackmans have their importance too, sir. There are hearts in that cottage. I've a sense of proportion, man. My works supply thousands of people, and my heart's in them. What's more, they made me a fortune. I've got ambitions. I'm a serious man. Suppose I were to consider this and that and every little party objection. Where should I get to? Nowhere. All the same, this sort of thing isn't done, you know. Not by you, because you've got no need to do it. Here you are, quite content on what your father's made for you. You have no ambitions, and you want other people to have none. How do you think your father's got your land? Hillcrist, angry. Not by breaking their word. Hornblower with a great smile. Don't you believe it? They got it by breaking their word and turning out Jackmans, if that's their name, all over the place. That's an insult, Mr. Hornblower. No, it's a repartee. If you think so much of these Jackmans, build them a cottage yourselves. You got the space. That's beside the point. You promised me, and I sold on that understanding. And I bought on the understanding that I'd get some more land from the Duke. That's nothing to do with me. You'll find it has, because I'm going to have those cottages. Well, I call it simply. Hornblower with a great smile. Look here, Hillcrist. You have not had occasion to understand men like me. I've got guts, and I've got the money, and I don't sit still on it. I'm going ahead because I believe in myself. Of no use for sentiment and that sort of thing. Forty of your jackmans ain't worth me little finger. Of all the blatant things I ever heard said. Well, as we're speaking plainly, I've been thinking. You want the village run your old-fashioned way, and I want it run mine. I fancy there's not room for the two of us here. When are you going? Never fear. I'm not going. Look here, Mr. Hornblower. This infernal gout makes me irritable, puts me at a disadvantage. But I should be glad if you'd kindly explain yourself. Kakane, are from the north. I'm told you wish to buy the sentry and put more of your chimneys up there. Regardless of the fact... He points through the window that it would utterly ruin the house we've had for generations, and all our pleasure here. Oh, the man talks. Why, you'd think he owned the sky, because his father's built him a house with a pretty view, where it's nothing to do but live. It's sheer want of something to do that gives you your fine sentiments, Ilchrist. Have the goodness not to charge me with idleness. Docker, where is he? He shows the bureau. When you do the drudgery of your works as thoroughly as I do that of my estate, is it true about the sentry? 
"'Gospel true. "'If you want to know, my son Chiarly is buying it this very minute.' "'What did you say?' "'I is what the old lady she wants to sell, and she'll get her price, whatever it is.' "'If that isn't a skin game, Mr. Hornblower, I don't know what is.' "'Ah, you've got a very nice expression there. "'Skin game. <laughs> "'Well, bad words break no bones, and they're wonderful for hardening the heart.' If it wasn't for a lady's presence, I could give you a specimen or two. Oh, Mr. Hornblower, that need not stop you, I'm sure. Well, and I don't know that it need. You're an obstruction, but like are you, you're in my path. And anyone in my path doesn't stay there long, or if he does, he stays there on my terms. And my terms are chimneys in the sentry where I need them. It'll do you a power of good, too, to know that you're not almighty. And that's being neighborly. And how have you tried being neighborly to me? If I haven't a wife, I've got a daughter-in-law. Have you called on her, ma'am? I'm new, and you're an old family. You don't like me. You think I'm a pushing man. I go to chapel, and you don't like that. I make things, and I sell them, and you don't like that. I buy land, and you don't like that. It threatens the view from your windies. Well, I don't like you. And I'm not going to put up with your attitude. You've had things your own way too long, and now you're not going to have them any longer. Will you hold to your word over those cottages? I'm going to have the cottages. I need them, and more besides. Now I'm to put up my new works. That's a declaration of war. <laughs> you never said a truer word. It's one or the other of us, and I rather think it's going to be me. I'm the rising and you're the setting sun, as the poet says. Hillcrist, touching the bell. We shall see if you can ride roughshod like this. We used to have decent ways of going about things here. You want to change all that. Well, we shall do our damnest to stop you. To fellows at the door. Are the Jackmans still in the house? Ask them to be good enough to come in. Hornblower, with the first sign of uneasiness. I've seen these people, I... I have nothing more to say to them. I told them I'd give them five pounds to cover their moving. It doesn't occur to you that people, however humble, like to have some say in their own fate? I never had any say in mine till I had the brass. And nobody ever will. It's all hypocrisy. You county folk are fair awful hypocrites. You talk about good form and all that sort of thing. It's just the comfortable doctrine of the man in the saddle. Sentimental varnish. They're every bit as hard as I am underneath. Mrs. H., who had been standing very still all this time. You flatter us. Not at all. God helps those who help themselves. That's at the bottom of all religion. I'm going to help myself, and God's going to help me. I admire your knowledge. We are in the right, and God helps. Don't you believe it? You haven't got the energy. Nor, perhaps, the conceit. Hornblower throwing out his forefinger. No, no, it isn't conceit to believe in yourself when you've got reason to. The Jackmans have entered. I'm very sorry, Mrs. Jackman, but I just wanted you to realize that I've done my best with this gentleman. Uh, yes, sir. I thought if you spoke for us, he'd feel different, like. One cottage is the same as another, Mrs. I made you a fair offer of five pounds for the moving. We wouldn't take fifty to go out of that house. 
We brought up three children there and buried two from it. Mrs. J to Mrs. Hillcrist. We're attached to it, like, ma'am. Hillcrist to Hornblower. How would you like to be turned out of a place you were fond of? Not a bit. But little considerations have to give way to big ones. Now, missus, I'll make it ten pounds and I'll send a wagon to shift your things, if that isn't fair. You better accept. I shall keep it open. The Jackmans look at each other. Their faces show deep anger. And the question they ask each other is which will speak. We won't take it, eh, George? Not a farden. We come there when we was married. Hornblower throwing out his finger. Yeah, very improvident folk. Don't lecture them, Mr. Hornblower. They come out of this miles above you. Well, I was going to give you another week, but you'll go out next Saturday and take care you're not late or your things will be put out in the rain. Mrs. H. to Mrs. Jackman. We'll send down for your things, and you can come to us for the time being. Mrs. Jackman drops a curtsy. Her eyes stab hornblowers. Jackman heavily clenching his fists. You're no gentleman. Don't put temptation in my way, that's all. Jackman. Hornblower triumphantly. You hear that? That's your protege. Keep out of my way, me man, or I'll put the police on you for uttering threats. You'd better go now, Jackman. The Jackmans move to the door. Mrs. J. turning. Maybe you'll repent some day, sir. They go out, Mrs. Hillcrist following. Well, I'm sorry they're such unreasonable folk. I never met people with less notion on which side their bread was buttered. And I never met anyone so pachydermatous. What's that in heaven's name? You needn't wrap it up in long words now. Your good lady's gone. I'm not going in for a slanging match. I resent your conduct much too deeply. Look here, Ilchrist. I don't object to you personally. You seem to me a poor creature that's bound to get left with your gout and your dignity, but of course you can make yourself very disagreeable before you don't. Now, I want to be the moving spirit here. I'm full of plans. I'm going to stand for Parliament. I'm going to make this a prosperous place. I'm a good-natured man if you'll treat me as such. Now, you take me on as a neighbour and all that, and I'll manage without chimneys on the sentry. Is it a bargain? He holds out his hand. Hillcrist, ignoring it. I thought you said you didn't keep your word when it suited you to break it. Now, don't get on the high horse. You and me could be very good friends, but I can be a very nasty enemy. The chimneys will not look nice from that window, you know. Mr. Hornblower. If you think I'll take your hand after this Jackman business, you're greatly mistaken. You are proposing that I shall stand in with you while you tyrannize over the neighborhood. Please realize that unless you leave those tendencies undisturbed as you said you would, we don't know each other. Well, that won't trouble me much. Now you'd better think it over. You've got gout and it makes you hasty. I tell you again, I'm not the man to make an enemy of. Unless you're friendly, sure as I stand here... I'll ruin the look of your place. The toot of a car is heard. There's my car. I sent Charlie and his wife in to buy the sentry. And make no mistake, he's got it in his pocket. It's your last chance, Hillcrist. 
I'm not averse to you as a man. I think you're the best of the fossils round here. At least I think you can do me the most harm socially. Come now. He holds out his hand again. Not if you bought the century ten times over. Your ways are not mine, and I'll have nothing to do with you. Really? Is that so? Very well. Now you're going to learn something, and it's time you did. Do you realize that I'm very nearly round you? He draws a circle slowly in the air. I'm at uphill. The works are here. Here's Longmeadow. Here's the sentry that I've just bought. There's only the common left to give you touch with the world. Now between you and the common, there's a high road. I come out on the high road here to your north, and I shall come out on it there to your west. When I've got my new works up on the sentry, I shall be making a trolley track between the works up to the road at both ends. So any goods will be running right round you. How'd you like that for a country place? For answer, Hillcrist, who is angry beyond the power of speech, walks, forgetting to use his stick, up to the French window. While he stands there with his back to Hornblower, the door L is flung open and Jim enters, preceding Charles, his wife, Chloe, and Rolf. Charles is a goodish-looking, moustached young man of about twenty-eight, with a white rim to the collar of his waistcoat, and spats. He has his hand behind Chloe's back, as if to prevent her turning tail. She is rather a handsome young woman with dark eyes, full red lips, and a suspicion of powder, a little underdressed for the country. Rolf, who brings up the rear, is about twenty, with an open face and stiffish butter-coloured hair. Jill runs over to her father at the window. She has a bottle. Look, Dodo, I brought a lot. Isn't it a treat to Papa? And here's the stuff. Hello. The exclamation is induced by the apprehension that there has been a row. Hillcrist gives a stiff little bow, remaining where he is in the window. Jill stays close to him, staring from one to the other, then blocks him off and engages him in conversation. Charles has gone up to his father, who has remained maliciously still, where he delivered his last speech. Chloe and Rolf stand awkwardly waiting between the fireplace and the door. Well, Charlie. Not got it. Not? I'd practically got her to say she'd sell at 3,500. When that fellow Docker turned up. That poor terrier of a chap. Well, he was here a while ago. Oh, so that's it. I heard him gallop up. He came straight for the old lady and got her away. What he said, I don't know. But she came back, looking wiser than an owl. Said she'd think it over. Thought she had other views. Did you tell her she might have her price? Practically, I did. Well? She thought it would be fair to put it up to auction. There were other inquiries. Ah, oh, she's a leery old bird. Reminds me of one of those pictures of fate, don't you know? Auction? Well, if it's not gone, we'll get it yet. That damned little docker. I've had a row with Hillcrist. I thought so. They are turning cautiously to look at Hillcrist when Jill steps forward. Jill, flushed and determined. 
That's not a sporting of you, Mr. Hornblower. At her words, Rolf comes forward, too. You should hear both sides before you say that, Missy. There isn't a decided turning out to Jackman's, as you promised. Oh, dear me, yes. They don't matter a row of gingerbread to the schemes I've got for better in this neighborhood. I had been standing up for you. Now I won't. Dear, dear, what'll become of me? I won't say anything about the other thing, because I think it's beneath dignity to notice it. But to turn poor people out of their cottages is a shame. Hoity me! You haven't been doing that, father. <sighs> Shut up, Rolf. Hornblower turning to Rolf. Ha! There's a league of youth. My young whippersnapper, keep your mouth shut and leave it to your elders to know what's right. Under the weight of this rejoinder, Rolf stands, biting his lips. Then he throws his head up. I hate it. Oh, you hate it. You can get out of my house, then. Free speech, Mr. Hornblower. Don't be violent. Uh, you're right, young lady. You can stay in my house, Rolf, and learn manners. Come, Charlie. Mr. Hornblower. Hillcrist, from the window. Jill. Well... Master Gurfit, life's too short for Rose and too jolly. Bravo. Now look here, I will not have revolt in my family. You'll just have to learn that a man who's worked as I have, who's risen as I have, and who knows the world, is the proper judge of what's right and wrong. I'll answer to God for me actions and not to you young people. Poor God. You're a blasphemous young thing. And you're just as bad, you young freethinker. I won't have it. Jill, I wish you would kindly not talk. I can't help it. Come along, father. Deeds, not words. Hey, deeds. Mrs. Hillcrist and Dorcas have entered by the French window. Quite right. He throws out his finger at Dorcas. Ah, so you put your dog onto it. Very smart, that. I give you credit. Mrs. H., pointing to Chloe, who has stood by herself, forgotten and uncomfortable throughout the scene. May I ask who this lady is? Chloe turns round, startled, and her vanity bag slips down her dress to the floor. No, ma'am, you may not, for you know perfectly well. I brought her in, mother. Will you take her out again, then? Amy, have the goodness to remember. That this is my house, so far as ladies are concerned. Mother. She looks astonished at Chloe, who, about to speak, does not, passing her eyes with a queer, half-scarred expression from Mrs. Hillcrist to Dorker. They go out left. Rolf hurries after them. You've insulted my wife. Why? What do you mean by it? Mrs. Hillcrist simply smiles. I apologize. I regret extremely. There is no reason why the ladies of your family or mine should be involved in our quarrel. For heaven's sake, let's fight like gentlemen. Catchwords, sneers. No, we'll play what you call a skin game. He'll crisp without gloves on. We won't spare each other. You look out for yourselves, for by God, after this morning, I mean business. And as for you, docker, you sly dog, you think yourself very clever. But I'll have the sentry yet. Come, Charlie. 
They go out, passing Jill, who is coming in again, in the doorway. Well, Docker. Safe for the moment. The old lady'll put it up for auction. Couldn't get her to budge on that. She says she don't want to be a nail eater either, but, if you ask me, it's the money she smells. Now, Mother. Well? Why did you insult her? I think I only asked you to take her out. Why, even if she is old combustion's daughter-in-law? My dear Jill, allow me to judge the sort of acquaintances I wish to make. She's all right. Was it women power than touch up their lips nowadays? I think she's rather a good sort. She was awfully upset. Too upset. Oh, don't be so mysterious, mother. If you know something, just spit it out. Do you wish me to, er, uh, spit it out, Jack? Dorker, if you don't mind. Dorker, with a nod, passes away out of the French window. It's no good, Dodo. You made me ashamed. It's just as, as caddish to insult people who haven't said a word in your own house as it's to be, old Hornblower. You don't know what you're talking about. What's the matter with young Mrs. Hornblower? Excuse me, I shall keep my thoughts to myself at present. She looks coldly at Jill and goes out through the French window. You've thoroughly upset your mother, Jill. It's something Dorcas told her, I saw them. I shall like Dorcas, father. He's so common. My dear, we can't all be uncommon. He's got lots of go. You must apologize to your mother. Jill, shaking her clubbed hair. It'll make you do things you don't approve of, Dodo. If you don't look out, Mother's fearfully bitter when she gets her knife in. If all humble is disgusting, it's no reason it should be. Hillcrist, smiling. So you think I'm capable? That's nice, Jill. No, no, darling. I only want to warn you solemnly that Mother will tell you. You're fighting fair, no matter what she and Dorka do. Jill, I don't think I ever saw you so serious. No, because... She swallows a lump in her throat. Well... I was just beginning to enjoy myself, and now everything's going to be bitter and beastly, with mother in that mood. That horrible old man. Oh, Dodo, don't let them make you horrid. It's your darling. How's your girl, Ducky? Better, a lot better. There, you see, that shows. That's going to be half interesting for you, but not for us. Look here, Jill. Is there anything between you and young what's-his-name, Rolf? Jill, biting her lip. No, but now it's all spoiled. You can't expect me to regret that. I don't mean it's harsh about love's young dream, but I do like being friends. I want to enjoy things, Jodo. And you can't do that when everybody's on the hate. You're going to wallow in it. And so shall I. Oh, I know I shall. We shall all wallow. And I'll think of nothing but one first knob. Aren't you fond of your home? Of course. I love it. Well, you won't be able to live in it unless we stop that ruffian. Chimneys and smoke. The trees cut down. Piles of pots. Every kind of abomination. There. He points. Imagine. He points through the French window, as if he could see those chimneys rising and marring the beauty of the fields. I was born here, and my father, and his, and his, and his. They love those fields. And those old trees, and this barbarian with his improvement schemes, forsooth. I learned to ride in the sentry meadows, pretty spring meadows in the world. I've climbed every tree there, 
why my father ever sold, about who could have imagined this and come at a bad moment when money's scarce. Jill cuddling his arm. Dodo. Yes, but you don't love the place as I do, Jill. You youngsters don't love anything, I sometimes think. I do, Dodo. I do. You've got it all before you, but you may live your life and never find anything so good and so beautiful as this old home. I'm not going to have it spoiled without a fight. Conscious of batting betrayed sentiment, he walks out at the French window, passing away to the right. Jewel, following to the window, looks. Then, throwing back her head, she clasps her hands behind it. Oh, oh, oh. A voice behind her says, Jill. She turns and starts back, leaning against the right lintel of the window. Rolf appears outside the window from left. Who goes there? Enemy, after Chloe's bag. Pass, enemy, and all's ill. Rolf passes through the window and retrieves the vanity bag from the floor where Chloe dropped it, then again takes his stand against the left lintel of the French window. It's not going to make any difference, is it? You know it is. Sins of the fathers? Unto the third and fourth generations, what sin has my father committed? None, in a way. Only I've often told you I don't see why you should treat us as outsiders. We don't like it. Well, he shouldn't be, then. I mean, he shouldn't be. Father's just as human as your father. He's wrapped up in us, and all his getting on is for us. Would you like to be treated as your mother treated Chloe? Your mother set the stroke for the other bigwigs about here. Nobody calls on Chloe. And why not? Why not? I think it's contemptible to bar people just because they're new, as you call it, and have to make their position instead of having it left them. It's not because they're new, it's because if your father behaved like a gentleman, he'd be treated like one. Would he? I don't believe it. My father's a very able man. He thinks he's entitled to have influence here. Well, everybody tries to keep him down. Oh, yes, they do. That makes him mad and more determined than ever to get his way. You ought to be just, Jill. I'm just. No, you're not. Besides, what's it got to do with Charlie and Chloe? Chloe's particularly harmless. It's pretty sickening for her. Father didn't expect people to call until Charlie married, but since... I think it's all very pretty. It is. A dog in the manger business. I did think you were above it. How would you like to have your homes spoiled? I'm not going to argue. Only things don't stand still. Homes aren't any more proof against change than anything else. All right. You come and try and take ours. We don't want to take your home. Like the Jackmans? All right. I see you're hopelessly prejudiced. He turns to go. Jill, just as he is vanishing. Enemy. Yes. Enemy. Before the battle, let's shake hands. They move from the lintels and grasp each other's hands in the centre of the French window. Curtain. End of Act One.